And now, rare footage of Jared Kushner's bar mitzvah. What's up, subscribers? This is Sentinel Cast number 86. I'm Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the well-fortified Sentinel Bunker sponsored by the DSA Accelerationist Caucus. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Coming up on this week's episode, we talked to someone in Pittsburgh who's been participating in the Jewish solidarity actions following last weekend's synagogue shooting. Ben Case with the city's If Not Now organization joins us. Plus, artist and writer Ellie Valley talks about similar protests in New York City where left-wing Jews engaged in civil disobedience outside the Metropolitan Republican Club. And uh, believe it or not, Jared Kushner does come up mm. in the conversation. He does. Then the garbage can later, you'll hear Steve King squeal like a pig and Joe Donnelly offer up one of the most cringe-worthy debate performances ever. But who gets the garbage can? Find out at the end of the show. Okay, but first, time to dispense some justice. You've got the gavel, Sam? Court's in session. It's guilty or innocent. First on the docket, voting. Voting. Oh, uh, I'm going to have to say at risk of upsetting our tanky fans, I'm going to have to say that voting is innocent. Sure. Voting. Voting is innocent. You can vote. If you want to vote, vote. Voting's innocent. For the record, I feel like a lot of our tanky fans are perfectly fine with voting, too. Yeah. Uh, how about this, though? Next on the docket, voting scolds. Very guilty. Guilty. Very, guilty. very guilty. I know you're really proud of yourself that you voted and you want to blame people who didn't vote. Well, why don't you put up some good candidates and a decent party, get them to vote for something. Don't scold people for not voting. So, yeah, voting, voting scolds. Guilty. Next also, on, look at the data. It's, it's, it's the poor people yeah, who are you're basically more likely, poor shaming people. Yeah, more likely to uh, not vote. All right. Next on the docket, the caravan. We've we've you know uh, had this on the docket before. We've proclaimed that the caravan is innocent. Of course, it's innocent. Innocent caravan. Innocent again. How about the U.S. military now going down to confront the caravan? The U.S. military guilty as always. Guilty. <laughs> guilty. All right. Now here's a tough one. The Krasensteins. Well, uh, I feel like we've found them guilty before. Yes, we have. And. They they're they're pretty much grifters. Yeah, but, but they have done good work this week in exposing have, Jacob Wall. Indeed. So I guess we're gonna have to uh, rule them innocent. Krasenstein's innocent. Krasenstein's innocent. Robert Mueller. Well, he also uh, helped bring down Jacob Wall. So yeah, I, I guess innocent. Uh, well, uh, but he is an FBI guy. Uh, he is an FBI guy. I don't. Yeah, well, you know, we we're guilty. not gonna say he's guilty of uh, of sexual assault or rape, whatever Wall's saying. But he is in the FBI. He's an That's FBI guy. To be guilty. He's guilty. guilty. Robert Mueller guilty. Uh, the Troika of Tyranny: Cuba, Venezuela, and Nicaragua. 
the countries themselves are innocent. innocent. <laughs> There name, we go. The na- how about the name, the Troika of Tyranny? Yeah, that's guilty. guilty. That's a uh, John Bolton creation. Guilty. Finally, guilty. Finally on the docket, Jews for Jesus. Guilty. 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 Really, any association with Mike Pence also makes you guilty, too. But uh, that was guilty long beforehand. Yeah, I don't like to wade into uh, sectarian debates too often. But pretty much Jews, by definition... Uh, don't believe in Jesus as being the uh, Messiah. Yeah, yeah. So still, still waiting for for the Jewish Messiah. We are waiting. We are. We are we still are. waiting. We're still waiting. All right. Maybe it'll be intern suck rising from the uh, uh, beyond the. We grave. can only hope. Look, I'm saying if intern suck comes back from this, I'm going to start becoming a believer <laughs> again because it's pretty grim right now for intern suck. All right. Enough. Enough with the. Uh, with the law in court. Let's get on to the rest of the show. We're less than a week removed from the worst anti-Semitic attack in our nation's history, the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh. Despite these unbelievably dark and depressing times where we see rising anti-Semitism and fascism, in the days following the shooting, we also saw a wave of solidarity and activism, much of it emanating from the Jewish community itself. We spoke to someone in Pittsburgh who's been a part of it, Ben Case, He's an organizer with the Graduate Student Union at the University of Pittsburgh, and he's also a member of the city's If Not Now organization, though he's appearing on the show speaking on his own behalf, not the organization's. Ben, you live in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm I'm sure the events of last weekend uh, hit pretty close to home for you. Uh, First off, how are you doing? And uh, as far as you know, how's the community of Squirrel Hill doing? Yeah, um... It's it's been a rough few days for sure. Um, I, you know, I I'd be lying if I said I knew how I was doing. Um, it's been a it's been it's been a tough few days. It's been really important to to just be with folks uh, in the community. Um, I think a lot of people are dealing with it in different ways, um, but uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of trauma. We have seen images of people. Uh, morning um in the streets as part of uh demonstrations and um as as part of the healing process we had uh or we have ellie valley on the episode later he was taking part in some actions uh in new york city what what's been going on in pittsburgh and and what have if not now's uh response what 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 has that been like also just go ahead and, and explain to our listeners who might not know if not now uh what they are and what they do oh sure um so if not now is uh, a national movement of of american jews who are who are working um within our communities to end uh us jewish support for the occupation in palestine um and um, and working to build a uh, vibrant uh, Jewish community, um, and yeah, we um, so we were part of you know a lot of people um, were were just sort of processing on Saturday and checking in with with loved ones and um, and you know trying to make sure um, you know the folks who you know folks were okay and. Um, and trying to you know, make some sense of what happened. Uh, people came together pretty quickly to organize collective uh, mourning rituals. Um, and if not now, was 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 one of those groups. There, there was obviously a lot of people uh, who did that um, uh, quickly. And then 
uh, when we heard that uh, Trump was planning on coming um, to to the city, um, uh, if not now, it was one of the groups that switched into um, combining that uh, you know that morning with with actions. Um, you know, Trump was one of the catalysts, but you know, it's not. It's obviously not just about Trump. Um, it was also important uh, to show up and 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 name that the you know the anti-Semitism, the, the the hate that led to this attack um, is fundamentally intertwined with uh, the hate, the xenophobia, the racism, the, the nationalism, all these sorts of things um, that uh, that are. Um, that are going around in, in the country and in a lot of places in the world right now. And uh, when, when, when Trump came, I think that's when I saw some of the photos where uh, organizers were sitting Shiva, it, 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 but sitting in, sitting Shiva in the middle of an intersection, which I don't know if I'd ever seen before, but was a powerful image of, uh, of a public demonstration of mourning. Um, we saw reports online that the president's motorcade was forced to turn around. Uh, did it? Were, were, uh, were you close to the uh, action on the ground uh, there when when the president came up through Squirrel Hill? Uh, yeah, I was. I was right there. Um, and you know, so we had organized a number of actions. The you know the purpose of Shiva. It's a it's a Jewish uh, tradition where. It basically brings people together uh, in times of mourning, and um, you know people come together, and you know religious people pray. But but the idea is really really just to be together and to take care of people who are mourning. Uh, in this case, trying to take care of each other, um, and uh, and to to feed each other. You know, we also provide provided a lot of food. That's a part of that's a part of um, Shiva, and um, you know part of what was part of what, what part of what was so upsetting uh, about Trump's visit um, was that it was really disrupting people's ability to mourn, uh, to mourn collectively. Um, it, obviously it was doing that, uh, in a lot of emotional ways. I mean, his very presence uh, in that, in that synagogue in, in my, uh, I mean, to, to me is, is a desecration. Um, but also just materially, I mean, the fact that they have to block off roads and the motorcade is going by and they're preventing people, uh, from, from getting together in mourning. And so that was, that was part of the importance for us about holding space in that intersection um, later in the day uh, to, to really create that space where we're going to say, no, we are going to sit here and we're going to do this together. We're going to sing songs um, and we're going to connect our struggle to struggles of other people. Um, as far as the motorcade goes, uh, yeah, his motorcade um, was, you know, he, he did, he did make it to, uh, to Tree of Life, it seems like. And, um, you know, there were a lot of people who, who wanted to at least make it difficult uh, if he was going to come there, at least be able to put our bodies uh, in the way in some way um, to, to show that this isn't okay and at least, at least make, them, um, make them have to have to respond to that. And so it seems like they did react to that uh, in some way. We weren't able to prevent him from getting to, to the synagogue um, but um, I think we shortened his visit uh, in in Pittsburgh. Good. Uh, ben, you mentioned how, if not now, his group primarily devoted to ending the Israeli occupation of Palestine. How do you see opposition to the right-wing Israeli government as connected 
to the struggle against anti-Semitism here at home in the actions, if not now, has been engaged in since the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting? Yeah, um, I mean, that's that's really important. I mean, there's, there's a couple of levels to that. There's one level in which um, you know, nationalism and racism uh, can combine to create uh, something really scary um, in fascism. And that, that looks different in different places, but there's really fundamental similarities. And we see a lot of those similarities happening in Israel right now. Um, and they're connected to what's happening in the U.S. They're connected to what's happening you know, in places all over the world, in, you know, in the Philippines, in Romania, in Turkey, now in, in Brazil. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's that level where, where that's, that's a, I think, a connection to just fighting the forces of, of the far right. Um, but there's a, there's a deeper connection as well. And I think, um, actually, one of, the, one of the, the most important tasks we have moving forward here is to educate ourselves and each other about anti-Semitism um, and about what it actually is, how it works. Um, on the left, we haven't had a very sophisticated understanding of, of what anti-Semitism actually is for a while. And um, there's a lot of those sort of arguments about that play directly into it. And that can often um, involve Israel and Zionism, right? And um, so understanding that uh, anti-Semitism as a system uh, involves pitting Jews against other oppressed peoples. Um, and uh, Israel is, um, to me, a manifestation of this in the world. Uh, and, you know, Israel is... Uh, a manifestation of of Jews being used um, as the, as the sort of uh, front line uh, to advance, um, you know, in, historically in some ways, capitalism in this case, imperialism. Um, and so, um, you know, for me, it's it's really important uh, that that we connect all these things and not see them as separate struggles. Not see it as we have a struggle against anti-Semitism over here. And then we put that aside when we, you know, stand in solidarity with Palestinian people over here. Um, those, to me, are fundamentally intertwined. How how integral is, I mean, I remember uh, hearing growing up in uh, the Jewish faith, going to Monday night school and hearing about, learning a lot about the Holocaust and anti-Semitism. It was an important part of, of growing up Jewish, part of uh, our identity, essentially. And you're, you're told that uh, the, never again, that this will never happen again. Um, I, I, I feel like a lot of uh, Jewish people take that to mean never again to Jewish people and don't stretch that out that part of being Jewish is to ensure that this doesn't happen again to anybody. How, how has your religion influenced your activism? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and that's a great point about, about Jewish upbringing. And I think, you know, in one way, this is a really important part of our history that we have to take seriously. And, um, and that, you know, we have to weave our struggles against oppression uh, into who we are now. And there's also ways that, that, um, that traumatic history can be harnessed uh, by the right to create fear and to sow the same types of antagonisms between Jews and other people that reproduce antisemitism. Um, and so, again, I think we have to educate ourselves about that and um, uh, and use that to to sort of understand how to organize with other folks. And that's where you know our our you know kind of slogan in our in our Pittsburgh actions were uh, safety through solidarity. Right. So it, the idea that it's not going to make us safer to put you know, to put cops in shuls. It's not going to make us safer to, 
to, you know, become xenophobic and echo some of the same tropes that have been used against us, against other people. Uh, none of that's going to make us safer. It's not going to make us safer to, to uphold the occupation in Palestine or to, or to be silent about it. Um, uh, none of those things make us safer. What makes us safer is solidarity with other people and um, coming together with folks and working together, showing up for them, asking them to show up for us, and then watching that happen. Um, so, yeah, to me, that's, um, you know, that's really the way forward. When it comes to the never again, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up too, because I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of angles to that as well. I mean, yeah, for sure. A lot of people see that as never again to the Jews and then that can get leveraged sort of in a nationalist way. Um, but I also think for a lot of, for a lot of us, when we've said never again, I think a lot of people were also trying to convince themselves that that was true. Uh, even of the Jews, right? So when people said never again, I think a lot of times deep down, what we were saying is, when is it going to happen again? And for me, at least in my upbringing, a lot of the the focus on on the Holocaust, it felt like it was it was an attempt to sort of say, hey, this this could this could happen again. Um, and I think that's you know that um, yeah that that just that that. Uh, comes up, it came up for me, you know, when this happened on Saturday, I mean, it hits, it hits really, as you said, it hits really close to home in a lot of ways. And, um, you know, uh, just trying to, trying to check in with people. And, you know, when you don't hear back from people, a lot of folks in our, in our, you know, community, uh, you know, are from there, um, grew up nearby, went to shul there, have families there, taught Hebrew school there. And uh, when you don't hear uh, when you don't hear back from people for a little bit, specifically around this, I mean, my mind went to such, you know, to such dark places around specifically uh, a fascist shouting death to the Jews. And and the fact that people, you know, my comrades and loved ones could be among them was, uh, I mean, uh, just incredibly hard. And, you know, I want to add too, it's, so I was supposed to be on this call with another uh, comrade from, if not now Pittsburgh, and um, she actually was the one who who asked me to join her. And um, you know something something came up. She wasn't able to be on the call, but for that few minutes when we were trying to reach her and couldn't, um, I was texting her and couldn't. I mean, uh, again, I you know, we're in this moment where um, my mind goes to that trauma. It goes to some those really really dark places uh, about like well you know, what if, I mean, people are still, there's still like, you know, graffiti, swastika graffiti going on all over the place. And, um, you know, especially, uh, you know, thinking about, um, you know, Daniel Jones, who was just murdered, you know, who's the son of Melissa McKinney, who's an activist in Ferguson and following the murders of other, you know, Ferguson activists like DeAndre Joshua, Darren Seals, um, Edward Crawford, um, you know, uh, I think we have to take this fear and and really meld it with solidarity and try to come together and understand how do we actually build power in our communities and how do we protect ourselves and each other. I uh, I, I can't help but think of at, at least on the uh, Jewish social justice tradition the uh, well this is this is maybe an elementary analysis but the uh, highest level of my mom Maimonides Sadaka ladder was to help people help themselves 
And mm-hmm. I feel like safety through solidarity has a bit of the the same undertones, but but maybe I'm just trying to work that Maimonides uh, reference into this into this conversation. It's fine if you are. <laughs> yeah, totally. I gotta I gotta revisit my Rambam. <laughs> Uh, Ben, I I don't want to, uh, sound too cliche and lame or like, like I'm Stephanie rule on MSNBC or something, but, uh, you know, often there are, I guess, positive things that come out of these tragedies and I can see, and I can just hear it in your voice, the sort of trauma that's still with you uh, over this and will probably still be with you for a, a long time being so close to it. Um, but uh, given you know the scenes we saw of of individuals uh, sitting shiva in the street, basically in solidarity, um, and given the uh, very strong connections that no one can ignore anymore between the rise of anti-Semitism and, and fascism in the U.S. and their links to the Republican Party and our president. Um, mm-hmm. do, do you see, uh, do you see things coming out of this event that, that I guess make the struggle more legitimate and advance it? I certainly hope so. And, you know, I think, um, I think it's important that we believe that we can do that, uh, and just, you know, um, get together with our communities and get together with, with, uh, you know, other allied communities and, um, work towards our, our collective liberation and, uh, and in the shorter term safety. Um, you know, I, uh, I mentioned, uh, you know, just now, just, a, a um, a few of the, of the activists from Ferguson, um, who've, who, who've been murdered. And that's something, you know, the, that's something I think we have to talk more about. Definitely. Um, definitely. And, that is something you know, that's happening. That is, seems to be very, very scary up there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that, you know, the fact that just a few days before, before the synagogue attack, right. In, in Jefferson town, Kentucky, um, the, the, uh, you know, um, Maurice Stollard and Vicki Jones were murdered by, you know, white supremacists who tried to get into a black church. Um, and, um, you know, these are all these, these acts of violence, you know, are not individual, uh, events. We know that they're connected to this broad, um, rise of the right, um, stoking, you know, sometimes legitimate fears of, you know, people seeing, uh, the effects of, of, um, you know, U S economy, the effects of climate change. Um, and, uh, and in other cases, just very base, um, uh, racism, and, um, you know, and combining those to make people feel like the way that they, that they need to be safe is to, is to attack others. Uh, but this is, this is part of a, this is part of a system. This is part of a process. And, you know, yeah, for me, the, the, the only way to fight that is, is to get together and to build, to organize in our communities, to build community power. Um, yeah. Speaking of uh, the the ties between the um, Tree of Life attack and anti-black violence, the first thing I thought of after the Tree of Life attack was the uh, 2015 shooting in Charleston at um, yeah the, mm-hmm. I, I forget the name of the church the the black church in Charleston it slips my mind but yeah, it, William this, Emanuel or yeah. yes it was the the yeah. similarities yeah. were just it, it it was it was almost a mirror image I feel except for the specific anti-refugee yeah. animus in, in, uh, in Pittsburgh. But anyway. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people have have seen that connection. And um, yeah, and the anti-refugee part is that's an important part of all this too, um, right? It seems like uh, that this particular uh, congregation is chosen, um, at, you know, at least in part because of the work they do with the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society um, for refugees and immigrants, and that this this particular you know this particular person, the the white supremacist who uh, who is the attacker. Um, you know, saw saw the the caravan um, uh, in you know in Central America now in Mexico um, as as connected to this uh, you know kind of typical Jewish world conspiracy um, of the you know where the Jews are sort of moving all the all the uh, the pieces to to undermine and attack and destroy whiteness or you know uh, white people. Um, and uh and yeah so i think you know the again all these sorts of systems are are intertwined we have to do i think a little bit better um in terms of understanding how they all come together and how they how they intertwine right because there's a, there's a version of all this where you know we understand hate is bad uh racism is bad there's kind of some simple ways we can see that um but i think it's it's a lot deeper uh, in terms of how how the far right is uh, is understanding themselves and how they understand white supremacy, um, and so I think for us we have to we have to really educate ourselves um, on on how how white supremacy functions, how anti-Semitism functions, um, how they you know intertwine and reproduce with heteropatriarchy, with capitalism, um, all these things. Yeah, and t- to that point. Uh, nothing legitimizes more that fear of immigrants and the the uh, paranoid beliefs of this shooter than the president of the United States suggesting that the U.S. military is going to fire upon refugees seeking asylum at the, at the south, southern border as he did yesterday or yeah. on, on Thursday. Uh, ben Case yeah, with, uh, with uh, Pittsburgh's If Not Now organization. Uh, thanks so much for coming on the show, uh, taking the time and uh, going over what's what's going on up there and, and how you're dealing with all of it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Hang in there. Stay safe. And we are back with Sentinel Cast number 86. Recently, Republican ties to fascists were very much front and center in New York City, where the Metropolitan Republican Club hosted the Proud Boys, self-described Western chauvinists who often act like black shirts. After the event, the group attacked people who showed up to protest them, yelling slurs and attacking anti-fascist demonstrators as police did nothing. After the shooting in Pittsburgh, some left-wing Jewish activists in New York showed up at the club, blocking the entrance to protest the party's overt welcoming of white nationalists. Artist and writer Ellie Valley was there. He got arrested. And he joined us to talk about the action and why Zionists and fascists are on the same team. Ellie, earlier this week, you were arrested uh, protesting outside the Metropolitan Republican Club in Manhattan. Was this uh, directly inspired by the shooting in Pittsburgh? And uh, can you just generally explain for the listeners who don't know uh, the background of what led to the protest? Yeah, um, it was directly inspired by the shooting, but it was uh, in reaction to 
a whole number of uh, events and the general climate perpetuated by the Republican Party, um, specifically, um, in this case, the Metropolitan Republican Club's uh, inviting of um, Gavin McInnes and uh, celebrating violent fascism, essentially. Uh, and so we were there to uh, demand that they renounce white uh, nationalism. I actually would you know, personally prefer the term white supremacism. Uh, might as well go all out there. But um, but that that was the point. I, I I think it was organized by a number of organizations, including if not now. But I think I think there are others as well. It happened so quickly, and like with it, you know, I had not that much notice that it was happening to begin with. That I I don't know the 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 actual specific uh, litany of organizations that coalesced around. Sure, it. sure. And uh, what what was their response? The uh, the Metropolitan Republican Club. I can't, I can't imagine. I did see some people flipping out on Twitter, like this violent mob. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't even see that. Um, well, actually, the, the Metropolitan uh, Republican Club was taunting us on Twitter. And when um, one of the activists uh, was pointing out this like horrible, um, you know, alt right adjacent type. I, I don't remember his name. You guys probably know of him. Um, they were standing by him and like proudly associated Chadwick with Chadwick Moore, him. I believe. <laughs> yes, there you go. It's one of these uh, Wes Anderson names. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, so they they were like, you know, doubling down on that shit. And you know, if you look at the kind of stuff, I mean, Chadwick. I think the same night was like taking pictures with Milo or of Milo. So, uh, you know, it, they're just like they're not they're not removing themselves from the climate. You know, it's not just like. I mean, the extreme is the norm within the Republican Party now. Yeah, yeah, that was going to be my my point here is that longtime observers of the Republican Party know that this is a party that's always uh, played with anti-Semitism and racism and flirted with white supremacy. Uh, but given the events in Pittsburgh and, of course, the way the president acts, uh, it's it's become so obvious now that here you have when you when you have uh, anti-Semitic violence in the country. A legitimate reaction is to go protest outside traditional Republican institutions. Yep. Uh, I mean, especially when the president himself has been uh, dog whistling the most classic anti-Semitic, um, uh, like sort of talking points um, that we've seen throughout the world and in the past few years in autocratic regimes throughout the world, um, in authoritarian regimes, including Netanyahu's, when, when he goes after George Soros. I mean, this kind of stuff, like anti-Semitism, you know, it's, I know we should get into Israel very soon, but, you know, anti-Semitism um, is uh, so pervasive, even the Jewish state is playing with it. And, so-called Jewish, you know. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 we've we've seen this uh, in other ways uh, with respect to Netanyahu in his uh, his government's friendly relations with a far further right and far right countries, Hungary, Poland. Yeah. Uh, being now two. Brazil. Now He's Brazil. Like excited about going to uh, the uh, inauguration. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, not incredible, yeah. but so so upfront with it. But we're all, yeah, you know what? I, I actually continue to be amazed by this stuff, you know? I mean, I, I maybe I'm naive, despite my cynicism, but I mean, I, I really can't believe that, just from a PR perspective, that he is doing this, you know? We also see, uh, uh, what was it, Israel's chief uh, rabbinate, rabbinate, is that the right word for it? Am I pronouncing it right? The uh, chief uh, rabbi yeah. in Israel basically yeah. refused to call the Tree of Life synagogue an actual synagogue. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe yeah. we're getting a little too much into the weeds here. 
no, I don't. I don't think so. But but I do think if you want to get into Israel, I think uh, the most uh, disastrous development lately is that these outright white supremacists and literal Nazis, when they are confronted with a with the fact of their Jew hatred, immediately point to Israel as a defense against that. And uh, you saw that with Steve King today. You saw it with Steve King. Um, you, you've seen it repeatedly. Uh, um, you know, you see it with Trump himself and his entire. I mean, they, they use his uh, daughter and son-in-law, of course, as well. But um, his entire um, cabinet, when, 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 whenever they do something that is questionable, like, oh, well, you know, we have Nushin, we have Jared, you know, on, so and of course we love Israel, you know, that kind of thing. We also see, I mean, quite we we see Israeli officials uh, and and big huge supporters of Israel also downplay uh, all the context of the shooting because I I think it's important to remember that it was an anti-Semitic shooting. They the, the he he shot up a synagogue, but he was also ranting about Jews as being part of this conspiracy to bring migrants uh, in yeah. to the country, which. Basically, sounds identical, uh, or, or not identical, but it, it it it's along the same ideological spectrum as Trump, as Viktor Orban, as Netanyahu, as Nigel yeah. Farage, as as any lit- Bolsonaro, any litany uh, uh, yeah. of these of these really nasty uh, uh, far right people. So it, it it's just funny how the the biggest supporters. Uh, of Israel are Nazi apologists now. Well, it seems. Yeah, yes, they are. I'm, that's that's the that's the age we're in now. Well, Mike, I'm Mike, sorry. Ha, like, how aware are they? I mean, we know Mike Pence is so creeped out by Jews that right. the, the, after they have this shooting, he brings up a defrocked Jew for Jesus yeah. minister or whatever to come and give yeah. a prayer he, he, for he wasn't Republicans. Even, he wasn't even a Jew for Jesus in good standing. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know, so, I know. It's so meta, or, or so double the uh, the offense. So, I mean, and Mike Pence will claim, oh, I, you know, I, I'm not anti, I'm not anti-Semitic. I, I love Israel. When, when, when we hear that line, what are they saying? Are they trying to pull a sleight of hand like, oh, everybody else just assumes Israel, if you love Israel, you love Jews, or do they actually believe that? What? Um, I, th- I think um, both, you know, I, I think they actually do believe it because to them, um, well, I just want to back up a little bit and say um, the, the shooter hated these Jews because they were Jews and because they embody the American Jewish social justice tradition. And that's the same thing that I would say Netanyahu hates about us, and the same thing Pence hates about us. And it's why Pence can only see Jews in a Zionist and, and in his view, probably, hopefully, settler context, um, like in the West Bank settlements, for instance. Um, and and to me, in, in my view, um, uh, one of the reasons uh, all of these you know Israeli officials have been making such... Um, putrid statements in reaction to the massacre, to the terrorist attack, the Nazi terrorist attack on American Jews, is because they despise us, you know? Uh, there, there is this anti-Semitism coming out of Israel. Um, there's always been this problem with diaspora Jews, but now it's like, it's, it's, they hate us for the actual, you know, um, we were the stranger in Egypt mentality, the social justice tradition that we embody. And they hate us because they know that they are on the totally different path from us. They are on the authoritarian path, and that is what defines their their Jewish identity today, which to me is preposterous, you know? To me, actually, if you want to go a little further, I would say that 
the rabbi, the the front Jew for Jesus rabbi that spoke at Pence's uh, whatever that was, to me, any synagogue that allows Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump into their services, we should treat them the same way as some defrocked Jews for Jesus synagogue. What do you What do you say to people who, when you when you bring up Trump's anti semitism, they say, "Oh, well, that can't be true. I mean, he's got his daughter's Jewish and his son in law is Jewish." Yeah, that's what I was saying before. Um, it's preposterous. I'm actually working on a comic now, unfortunately, because of the whole you know arrest thing. I didn't get it out for for Halloween. <laughs> Although. <laughs> To be honest, I actually solidified it while I was sitting in that uh, jail cell. Um, I'm drawing Trump, Ivanka, and Jared as zombies eating human flesh. And Trump is saying something along the, I haven't like solidified a text yet, but it's something like, uh, you know, how can I be a flesh-eating zombie? My daughter and son-in-law are human. And if you look at them, they're actually zombies too, you know? I don't consider these people, I don't consider them Jews anymore, okay? I think we need to excommunicate them. And we haven't yet because we're cowards. But in my view, they're already past the limit. You cannot be Jewish and be working for a you know, neo-Nazi allied administration, period, you know? Yesterday, you tweeted that historians will question if it was inevitable Israel would ally with Nazis, i.e. if the poison was baked in from the start or if it was a catastrophe that resulted from circumstance and choice. Uh, do you have a hypothesis on this or were you just sort of trying to start the discussion and are yourself kind of struggling well, there? I am struggling a little bit. And, um, I mean, it was partly to like tweak and like start the discussion. Although a couple of historians come back and like, well, you know, there is no inevitability with his history. You cannot say, it. you know, that kind of thing. Um, I think it has, uh, it depends how, how you view, you know, this, the, the source. I mean, you know, I mean, Israel, like, you know, every country is born in sin. And so if you say that sin was a, you know, stigma or a um, deciding deterministic factor from the start, then there was no escaping it. I actually do think, though, that um, th- there were many choices that it made along the way. And I'm not saying that it could have been like, you know, u- the utopian uh, paradise that it's socialist, you know, pioneer segments, uh, you know, colonial, but still. Uh, might have envisioned from the start, but I do think it would have, um, it, it had an, the opportunity to avoid um, uh, becoming uh, what it has become. And, and, you know, I mean, what it has become is, aside from what it is hap- what is happening in terms of, you know, colonization and um, destroying an entire uh, people in terms of Pal- Palestine, uh, it's become a uh, an antagonistic force towards, you know, towards the Jews of the world. I mean, you know, we, we, we can uh, sort of half joke and say, uh, oh, you know, Israel actually wants anti-Semitism to rise in the world uh, because, uh, you know, then all the Jews will have to go to Israel, you know. But I mean, that's sort of like almost a cliche at this point. The next the next step, the next sort of like uh, um, thought experiment is what if they're actually uh, not opposed to the eradication of the world's Jews by any means necessary? Because, again, getting back to the whole idea of us embodying that which is sort of the opposite of where they're heading, we are we are not allies, you know? They have a minority of American Jews, largely in the Orthodox world, who, who are allied with everything, uh, you know, all in, if you look at the polls, on Trump and on ethnic cleansing in Israel. But the majority of American Jews are either uncomfortable with that or outright opposed to it. And and the more American Jews know about what's happening in the West Bank, the more they are opposed to it. So, I mean, so 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 the ultimate, like, kind of, like, scary thought is, not just that they're like, oh, there's anti-Semitism, now everyone will come to Israel, but the Jews of the world are our enemies, and we, we don't need them around. Hmm. That's that's interesting, and kind of looking at this 
personally, I mean, I was, I'm Jewish. I was bar mitzvahed. I'm probably not in very good standing with the temple since I just haven't really practiced the customs or really gone to temple in a long time. But I I remember growing up in, uh, you know, Sunday school, or I guess it was Monday night school. Um, we were never, we were never taught critically about Israel. Um, we were always, and this is reformed Judaism. I mean, this wasn't, this wasn't a Orthodox or anything like that. Same. I had a very similar experience. And even to a large extent, my family, older members of my family are still sort of in that paradigm that Israel must be protected at all costs. Israel can do no wrong. Um, Every synagogue has an Israeli flag on the bima, which is preposterous to me. But that's it's you pretty know. gross. Yeah. It makes me yeah. never want to so, so, go to I services. Mean, yeah. How yeah. how difficult is it for the which I don't <laughs> for I guess the the diaspora to confront this, given how it's indoctrinated at such a young age for so many people, and how I I, I feel like it has to have. I, mean, I haven't gone to a Monday night school or talked to young Jewish kids who are still in these programs, but I'm curious if it's changed since I was in these since for over the last 20 years, given how obvious the right wing influence of Netanyahu and the Israeli government has been over the last few decades. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard for me to say because, um, first of all, I'm not like connected to Hebrew school now, and also because it's a wide there's a v- wide variety. Yeah. But I do think I think I do think we can say like two things. First of all. Um, in terms of like generational um, attitudes, uh, younger generations of American Jews tend to be just like you know younger generations of American tend to be um, much more uh, critical of Israel and sort of you know astonished by uh, you know um, by what is happening there. But also the other thing is that um, no matter the generation, um, people who tend to be involved in leadership positions in the Jewish community, if not in sort of like the rank and file positions in nonprofits or in teaching in Hebrew schools, tend to be more on the right, you know, centrist right side, if not outright right side of the spectrum. And, uh, it, you know, it's like the actual Hebrew school teacher might have more um, universalistic um, approaches, but if they have a curriculum designed by, uh, you know, 65-year-old man or woman, but, you know, generally it's, you know, men in these leadership positions, uh, you know, uh, which is very, you know, ossified in its views of uh, Israel-Palestine and, you know, making the, de- the desert bloom kind of mythology, it's hard for them to depart from it, especially, uh, you know, I mean, you know, throughout the Jewish world when when, um, when people uh, within Jewish spaces say things that are not considered acceptable, um, they get shut out. Ellie, I, uh, I have one more question about... Uh Generally, uh, this I mean, well, this is something that's uh, come up, I feel, in left-wing Jewish circles on Twitter, which is the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, has a pretty uh, poor record on a lot of issues, but yet it is seen as the um, the sort of uh, unimpeachable source on anti-Semitism, and a lot of people lean on it, <clears throat> and it, it seems to get some things right, uh, but gets other things very wrong and overall doesn't have great politics. And I was just wondering what your thoughts are on um, the ADL at a time like this. Well, I I should say, first of all, that um, Abe Foxman ostensibly is retired, although I joke in comics that he'll never retire. (sighs) Um, And so, you know, he was, uh, I think, a poisonous force in American Jewish intellectual, spiritual and political life. 
Um, so he's ostensibly gone, although he just, I think, recently started tweeting. Now, I was told that he's had a Twitter for years, and it, but it was like a lurker account just so he could keep tabs on the Jewish left, or maybe others too, I don't know. Uh, but I never knew uh, who it was. But then just recently, someone pointed out, you know, he tweeted like October 27th, uh, that we must not make this uh, terror, whatever he called it, you know, the massacre, a political act, which is absolutely astonishing because... <laughs> anti-Semitism is always a political act. I mean, uh, you know, what is, you know, I mean, depends how he defines politics. And also he's been using, you know, the, um, the scourge of anti-Semitism uh, to shore up support for Israel for his entire career. So it's just like, so that's Dave Foxman. Thankfully he's not, um, even though he's sort of like a figurehead, he's not, you know, in the official uh, supervisory role there. Now uh, there is Jonathan Greenblatt, who is a step up from Foxman, but on the Israel, on the Israel issue, uh, He's, it's it, he he has got to do a lot better, basically, you know, and we have to push him to do a lot better. I, in my opinion, he's probably you know, uh, maybe like sort of old school centrist Democrat who you know is pro Israel, but his board is further to the right, and so he has to do that because otherwise he'll have problems with his board. That's that's my guess, but I, I have no like evidence for that. But I mean, um, the ADL has been good on um, you know attacking the climate of, or the you know actual examples of. Uh, white supremacism, Nazism, etc., but um, they've been horrible in um, in calling out um, you know stuff that Israel has done, or or in like you know you know turning everything back to like you know college campuses and and um, support for Israel, and also this whole both sides nonsense. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they're among the others who have you know brought up Farrakhan in our current climate as if he is at all relevant to anything going on, you know. Um, you know, in this whole both sides need of, um, you know, in general, the media needs that. But in the Jewish community, it's like to, to distract from, you know, the 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 horror of Israel allying with Nazis around the world. So we say, OK, Farrakhan called us termites, you know, um, of course, that's a horrible thing. But uh, but it has zero relevance to uh, our uh, our dystopia. I mean, it has it has relevance, but no material relevance you know what i mean the, the shooter yeah. had nothing to do with farrakhan he had everything yeah. to do with trump and the republican party right yeah, yeah. definitely hear what you're saying <laughs> ellie valley uh writer artist uh you can find his stuff at his website ellievalley.com v-a-l-l-e-y you also had a book come out not too long ago right yeah diaspora boy and it went out of print but it's in in the reprinting process hopefully hopefully november it's gonna you know like this month it'll be out again so oh nice check it for that yes nice. uh in time as a nice holiday gift for people <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> get eight editions of the book for your uh, jewish friends yeah. uh ellie exactly. thanks so much for coming on thanks for having me i really appreciate it thanks ellie sentinel cast 86 back with you the two sams still here in our well-fortified sentinel bunker in washington dc by the way, what's up with Monday night school? Is that a Florida Jewish thing? Maybe. Mo- Monday night school? I've, I, 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 is that not a regular thing everywhere? It's like Sunday school for, you know, ca- Christian kids or Catholic kids. Right. But we did Monday night school. It was after, it was basically a confirmation school. We did, uh, well, I mean, the, the, we had Jewish Sunday school on Sunday. Yeah, we and had that Hebrew when we were school. younger, little okay. kids. Then but he- then after your bar mitzvah, oh, right, right, right. but before your confirmation, right, uh, you okay. go to like Monday night school. I, I, I think that was uh, Tuesday, but that's sort of when roughly confirmation I never did. I kind yeah. of tapered off after the old bar mitzvah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we've reached the end of the show. We've reached the end of the week. One thing left to do, 
bring in the garbage can. In turns, yep. Just bring it on in. Bring Be it careful in. with bring it. Bring it in. Be careful. I know it's getting really heavy. Really dirty. Oh, oh, those soggy toilet paper rolls. When it gets all wet. Yeah, okay, right there is good. It gets all okay. smelly, too. Okay, right there. Ugh. Ugh, wet paper. Ugh. Thank you. Garbage candidate number one, Senator Joe Donnelly. The Democrat may be on the verge of losing his Senate seat, but at least he's going down completely embarrassing himself. In a train wreck of a debate performance this week, Donnelly embraced fascism and said he'd be open to repealing birthright citizenship. He basically endorsed one of President Trump's most white supremacist policies. But that wasn't all of it. There was also this cringe-inducing statement from Donnelly about his multicultural staff. Just take a listen. We want everybody to have a chance in Indiana and in America. And my offices reflect that, both on the campaign side and on the Senate side. Our state director is Indian-American. What? But he does an amazing job. Our director of all constituent services, she's African-American. But she does an even more incredible job than oh, you could ever imagine. Twice. What the fuck? Joe, step into my office. You're nominated for the garbage can. Garbage candidate number two, Claire McCaskill. McCaskill's in a tight race to hold on to her Senate seat in Missouri. She's also pretty reliably right-wing on a lot of issues. As such, she put out an awful radio ad reminding voters that she's a good reactionary dirtbag who can carry the water for President Trump. Claire's not one of those crazy Democrats. She works right in the middle and finds compromise, the ad says. McCaskill also had this to say recently on Fox News about one member of her party, quote, I would not call my colleagues crazy, but Elizabeth Warren sure went after me when I advocated tooling back some of the regulations for small banks and credit unions. Not only is this tactically stupid, increasingly ineffective left punching, but McCaskill's straight up lying. The legislation Warren criticized actually tooled back regulations for banks with up to $250 billion in assets. Anyway, Good luck to Senator McCaskill in trying to get votes from an increasingly fascist Republican electorate that wants nothing to do with her or any other Democrat. And good luck campaigning for their vote from the garbage can, because that's where Senator McCaskill might be headed this week. She also, uh, like Donnelly, embraced the president's anti-immigration uh, fascism by uh, basically fear-mongering over the caravan and saying, no, we will not let them in. We have to stop them at the border. We have to stop them at the border. Reminds me of, and I don't want to get too much into this, but reminds me of when uh, McCaskill slid into my DMs after the Ferguson protests when I called her out on not having any evidence of cops being shot at. <laughs> She's online. Garbage candidate number three, Steve King. We probably don't even need a specific reason to throw Steve King in the garbage can. He's a white supremacist. He should be living in the dang can. But nevertheless, King did give us a new reason to nominate him. When a constituent asked him this week what the difference was between his political beliefs and those of right-wing maniacs like the guy who shot up the Pittsburgh synagogue, King melted down. Let's just play King's response to the question. Do not associate me with that shooter. I knew you were an ambusher when you walked in the room, but there's no ambush. basis for that, and you get no questions, you get I'm, no answers. I was about to no, ask you what done. distinguishes your ideology. We don't play these ideology. games here in Iowa. I was about to ask no, you what distinguishes you're your ideology. You crossed the line. It's not tolerable to accuse me to be associated with a guy that shot 11 people in Pittsburgh. 
I am a person who if has stood with Israel from the beginning, that to the length of that nation is the length of my life. I was about and to say I've been with them all along, and I will not answer your question, and I'll not listen to another word from you. If you don't have and a white supremacist worldview, then why did you travel to Austria to work with the white supremacist organization? I believe it. I think he's given up. I think he's given his answer. I think that okay. that his answer is his answer. Yes, but do you please. identify as a white yeah. Sir, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, stop it. Sir, stop it. Yeah, seems like this guy touched a nerve. Good. But for real, when you look at the rantings and ravings of the synagogue shooter, it's really hard to tell them apart from Steve King's floor speeches. It's about time this fascist gets what's coming to him. Steve King, you are nominated to the garbage can. Garbage candidate number four, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I promise you, as a fan of the Washington Capitals, this actually doesn't bring me any joy. sure. No. Every sports fan has to deal with far right-wing crap being peddled by their favorite team. Earlier this week, the Penguins did just that. They honored two of the cops wounded in the Tree of Life shooting, and these uh, two officers partook in a ceremonial puck drop. And to make matters worse, they were posing in front of a Blue Lives Matter flag. Look, if teams are going to invite cops to games at all, they should just seat them quietly in the owner's box where they belong next to parasitic capital because the penguins paraded them around the ice and because they let the officers pose with a deeply reactionary and hateful symbol. The franchise is nominated this week for the garbage can. Well, at least they didn't cross a picket line in Boston. <laughs> Trust me, though, the uh, the capitals have enough shit with uh, military contractors and you know, sucking the flag off. Yeah, they'll probably the, find themselves flag. nominated before the end of the season. Yep. Garbage candidate number five. When they go to the White House. Yeah. Jack Berkman and Jacob Wall. Dumb and Dumber hosted a press conference in Virginia on Thursday where they presented allegations that special counsel Robert Mueller raped a woman in 2010. Now, Berkman is an infamous Republican lawyer who's been a part of numerous right-wing hoaxes, including for months claiming he had secret evidence that Seth Rich was murdered by the DNC, but never presenting any of that evidence. Jacob Wall is a teenage Twitter troll. Maybe he's 20 now. I don't know if he's a teenager anymore. Uh, he obsessively loves Donald Trump. He can't open an E-Trade account because he was engaged in financial fraud when he was like 16. Anyways... Wool and Berkman have teamed up to concoct a story about Robert Mueller, and this is all really a comedy of errors. Berkman had his fly down during the entire press conference. The two men couldn't agree on the spelling of the accuser's name, even though they represent her. She was supposed to be there, the accuser, by the way, but she didn't show up at the last moment, which was pretty convenient for the whole team. At one point, Berkman claimed that Wool was a child prodigy on par with Mozart. <laughs> Also, Wool had a tough time explaining the origin of his private intelligence firm, Surefire, which allegedly investigated the allegation against Mueller. It appears, though, Surefire is just Jacob and a host of fictional employees. We'll all have to wait and see how this turns out for Jack and Jacob. Maybe it'll be federal prison in the end. In the meantime, though, maybe a stint in the garbage can would be good for these two dummies. Finally, garbage candidate number six, Lindsey Graham. To paraphrase a classic ballad, here he goes again on his own. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Lindsey Graham gets a garbage can nomination, I think, for the third week in a row, or at least the third time in recent memory. It's a lot. Like in one of the other previous recent garbage cans, Graham is nominated this week for being President Trump's most enthusiastic toady. After Trump said he wanted to remove birthright citizenship by executive order, Graham said he would recycle old legislation to do it himself. 
Not surprised to see a senator from the first state to secede also call for the end of something introduced to give rights to freed slaves. Also not surprised to see Graham suck up to the president again. He did it recently when he filled his diaper in front of the whole world during the Kavanaugh hearings. But just because it isn't shocking doesn't mean Lindsey Graham escapes the garbage can shortlist. Great A piece of shit, Lindsey Graham, a garbage candidate this week once again. All right, we've got Lindsey Graham. We've got Jacob Wool and Jack Berkman. We've got the Pittsburgh Penguins. We've got Steve King. We've got Claire McCaskill. And we've got Joe Donnelly. The votes have been counted. We have a clear winner this week. Thank God. Steve King, you are going in the garbage can. Oh, oh. No, we won't stop it. We won't stop it. We won't stop it. We're not going to stop. You're You're staying in the garbage can. We might seal you in there. That's it, With your copy of Mein Kampf. (laughs) All right, that'll do it for the Sentinel cast this week. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for watching. Special thanks to our sponsors, the Congressional Dish Podcast, hosted by Jen Briney, and levelnews.org. The Sentinel cast is back next week. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.